2: Welcome back to The Fighter versus The Writer. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin. I am alongside the UFC legend. He's back after a week away, and let me tell you, the show is not the same without him. Matt the Immortal Brown. Matt, what's going on?
3: Man, glad to be back, bro. That was a long week without you. I miss your face.
2: Uh, dude, I dude, I tell you, like it was weird. Like, listen, we, we had a great pinch hitter. Paul Felder came in, did a great job on last week's show. Really appreciate him doing the show. Kevin Lee as well. It was awesome to have him. But man, it was just so weird. We've been in such a routine of doing the show. It was so weird not to do the show. I was like, this is this is just bizarre not having Matt on on Mondays to talk about fighting.
3: And so many things happened in this time stuff. <laughs> like I've been kind of off social media for the most part. Kind of been traveling and dealing with hospital stuff and. Man, I come, but every time I looked back, you know it was like every you know once a day or something, like there's just so much insane news. I'm like I'm like, can everybody just chill for a minute like <laughs> it's just january still
2: it feels like there's some weeks it feels like nothing really happens and we're like you know kind of digging around like what should we talk about and then other times, it's like everything ever happens and during a downtime, like the ufc was off for a big part of that and there's all this crazy wild stuff happening and in just a two-week span that we've been away it's like craziness so yeah it's uh uh quite a quite a world we live in the ufc these days
3: yeah and uh I think it's gonna be a great year for 2023 though. I think I'm gonna fight again probably. So I'm already gearing up talking to the UFC about some different options. So uh, let's let's make twenty twenty three a big year, man. Let's get the podcast rolling, keep it going weekly and give me a fight and let's fucking have some fun this
2: year. We'll do some uh, fight camp podcasts. That'll be interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, well that was that was always been our hold up before, right? It was Because we've talked about doing podcasts so many times. And I'm like, man, I got to fight. Like, I'm not doing this shit. uh, But I'm kind of in a groove now. It feels comfortable. Like, part of my day, it's not like I don't feel like I'm going out of my way. And we do it on Zoom. So it's pretty easy. So I think I can keep it going this time.
2: Yeah, for for anyone who doesn't remember, when we used to do uh, what was I mean, we've had like we had like nineteen different names for our podcast, but back in the day, we did the podcast with you, me, our friend Jeremy Loper, and of course the legend Mark Coleman. We used to go in a radio studio, so we'd all have to go to a radio studio. We'd sit down. Now it was an awesome dynamic to all sit down together and do the podcast. But problem is, we all had to travel to this place, which is like for me, you know, twenty minutes away for you, twenty twenty five minutes away. Everyone had to gather. We'd end up BSing for 40 minutes before we actually record. Then we record for yeah. like two hours. Then we BS again. So it ended up being like a four or five hour process. Now it was fun. It was a blast to do it, but you know, it's a long, it's a huge chunk out of your day. And this is like, we jump on zoom 45 minutes to an hour and we're out the door and it's not like really intrusive.
3: <laughs> and speaking of Mark Coleman, I was just saying, I was in this morning and he's got some big things coming up for him. I think everybody should go follow him on social media uh, I don't know what his social media is, That at Mark Coleman, probably, or Mark D. Coleman, maybe. Um, everybody should follow him, man. There's going to be some cool things he's got coming up. I don't think I'm at liberty to be announcing things for him, but uh, it was really exciting, man. You know, I think he's around two years of sobriety now, and he's got some really cool things coming up. I think everybody's going to be very excited to see.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I was actually going to mention we should get Mark on because obviously coming up in February, actually just a couple weeks from now, we're going to be talking about – Uh, Fedor Emelianenko's retirement fight that's his fight with Ryan Mm -hmm. Bader's coming up in Bellator and I was like we should get Coley on the show to talk about those legendary pride days because uh you know Fedor and I think this time it's actually going to stick like I think Fedor is actually going to retire this time uh and of course you know he battled with Fedor back in the day and uh, had that legendary run in pride I think you know maybe we get Coley on the show to talk Dude, how old is Fedor now 44 45
3: Okay. And how old's yeah. Bader? He's kind of getting up there too,
2: huh? I think he's 39, if I'm not mistaken, 38, 39, right around that range. So he's getting up there. That's a, a, bit too. That's
3: a crazy matchup, too. You know, that's a that's a fight that is kind of interesting, no, regardless of how old they are. Just, you know, Bader's been looking good at
2: heavyweight. So, yeah, he. I mean, they, they fought the first time and Bader knocked him out, whatever it was, like 40. foot. the fight didn't really get started. He clipped him and caught him and it was over. Yeah, and that happens yeah. at heavyweight. But, yeah, and Fedor's looked good his last couple fights. Like, he knocked out Tim Johnson, knocked out, not getting Rampage, you know, maybe Rampage isn't the same Rampage you and I knew from years ago, but still, super tough dude. I mean, Fedor, like I said, you stand in front of Fedor, he can still knock your block off, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, he hasn't seemed to have lost a lot of that speed and uh, athleticism that he's always had, so yeah, I, I think it's a good matchup regardless of whether they fight again. There wasn't like a uh, we didn't get to see a lot in that fight, so I'm I'm interested to watch them have like a, a you know some scrambles and some good some good fighting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we got a lot of talk, lots to talk about with today, Matt. Of course, we're going to get into the Francis and Ganu stuff in a little bit. That was the biggest news story coming out of the weekend. But I'm not going to sit here and rehash everything that's gone on that we've missed. But you know, of course, the biggest story, the biggest thing that's happened, honestly, over the last couple of weeks that we were away, was the entire situation surrounding Dana White. Uh, you know, slapping his wife. We all know the videos out there. I'm not going to sit here and rehash everything. I think that's been talked to death. I'm not going to sit here and just try to create hot takes because we haven't had a chance to talk about it. But the one thing I want to focus on, you know, Dana did a couple of press conferences this last week. He did one leading into the UFC Vegas 67 card and then he did one after the card and the one before is where he really addressed everything you know talk talk basically said you know no one should be defending me don't defend me you know it's not your place to defend me i did wrong you know whatever people are saying about me they have every right to say about me all that was right i actually weirdly thought he handled that very very well i said in a way he's handling this better than the people around him being like endeavor and espn everyone else just kind of staying silent and not even you know not even putting out a statement saying we don't condone these actions like they just stayed silent but the one thing i wanted to touch on he talked about it last week and he talked about it again on on when people say, you know, do you feel like you should be punished for this? And he said, well, what would my punishment be? I could have walked away in 2016. I could have walked away during the pandemic. I didn't. Uh, me leaving is harming the fighters. Uh, you know, he says more about my personal life than my professional life. And I'll just, I'll say this right off the top, Matt. I, you know, and I said this from the very beginning with Dana. Like, I, I'm not calling for the guy's head. I'm not saying the guy should be fired and never work again. And, and listen fair you know honestly there are there are heads of leagues around the world if this happened to them roger goodell the nfl like the commissioner of the nfl i guarantee if this happened to him he'd be done he'd be out of a job because the owners vote on the commissioner so i almost guarantee he'd be out of a job but i'm not saying the guy needs to lose his job i'm not like i'm not even saying that like i never said that you know listen people people make horrible mistakes and do horrible things and there's a way to come back from that the problem is to me it's the hubris it's the attitude. Like punishing me punishes everyone else. I don't I don't get that part of it. And even if it's a even if it's a slap on the wrist kind of a, you know kind of a punishment where it's endeavor putting out a statement, we don't condone these actions, you know, this is not going to fly in our UFC. Uh we're going to make a huge donation to domestic violence charities whatever that is and Dana's going to step away for 60, 90 days to handle his family and we're going to, you know, and then he'll return in March or April, whatever the, you know, and listen, is that maybe that make behind the scenes? Will that all be complete BS? Maybe like, maybe he'll just be, you know, be operating at home and just won't be doing interviews. I don't know. But the idea that you could do something like this on camera, get busted for it in that way and have to take a huge hit publicly. Yet the response in terms of your punishment is well, punishing me punishes everyone else. That to me, that's the only thing he said and this whole ordeal that I've had an issue with everything else. He said, don't defend me. Don't, you know, I did wrong. Stop saying like, stop trying to make excuses for me. 100% agree. But that thing kind of bugged me. Cause I'm like, at this point, the UFC is kind of a well-oiled machine, Matt, you, you work there, you know, um, not to say Dana doesn't have a job. He does. He plays a, a huge part in, in what makes the UFC move, but him stepping away for 30 days, 60 days, I don't think the wheels are going to come off.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to that, man. Um, uh, first off, I don't work there; I work for them. Uh, that's true. That's true. Contractor, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a whole another debate, of course. Yeah. But you know, technically, I, I don't work there, right? Like that's a—I a, wouldn't put it that way for sure. Um, but man, you know, I think it's a tough one, man. Like, because he's kind of right, uh, also. Like, what does punishing him do? you know, it, it doesn't really help anyone. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't, um, whether it hurts the fighters or not, I don't know about that. Right. Like, um, but in some respects I kind of get where it could too, if it's a 30, 60, 90 day punishment, it's like, okay, now you got to deal with some other guy for, you know, a month or two. And, and then you're going back to Dana in a month or two, you know, and, uh, on top of that, I don't know what his day-to-day is also. I don't know really what he does day-to-day. Of course, we know it's a well-oiled machine. And and I agree that um, any one person could probably step away from the UFC. Probably any group of people could step away and be replaceable. Like everybody's replaceable in a business at large, I have to think. Um, but I also don't see where it helps anything either um, other than – what you were just saying. And, you know, we haven't even discussed this yet or, you know, even texted about it or anything. So um, I think we're pretty much on the same page here. You know, the 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 whole issue here, in my opinion, I, I think you're agreeing with what everything I heard you just say is, you know, Endeavor, you know, they're the ones that should, they're, uh, they're the ones fucking up here. <laughs> they, you know, not just saying silent, right? They haven't done anything, haven't said anything, you know, shame on them. I th- yeah, I think that's what it comes down to.
2: That's and honestly, that's been my bigger issue than anything. Is like you know, like how to me, how hard is it to put out a, a you know public relations that's statement crazy. saying we could we don't condone domestic violence. You know, we we you know we we completely disagree with this. We're gonna have conversation with Dana behind the scenes. You know, we don't. I just it's so bizarre. And then ESPN like they've discussed it on their TV shows, and they had to actually discuss it twice because the first time, you know, Stephen A. Smith and that group kind of came off like almost like Dana's a great guy, he's such a good guy, yeah. and I'm like, dude, like I understand like you you like the guy, he still did something horrible. Uh, and then they redid it and they're kind of like, they're like, okay, take two. Uh, and then they, you know, they kind of went off a little bit more, but like ESPN as a company didn't put out a statement. Turner sports. Who's about to air the slap fighting league in like a day and a half. Dave said nothing again. I'm mm-hmm. not saying you have to cut ties with the guy. I'm not saying you have to stop doing business with him. I never said that. And I don't, I don't necessarily believe that that's a thing that would happen but you can at least put out a statement and say, we don't condone these actions. Like how Dana's inviting you to do it. He's like, don't defend me. Don't you know, whatever you're saying about me is correct. Then why aren't these companies just at least saying that? Like, how are they not like what mess? Like, here's a great example. And this is like one thing that like, really, okay. You remember the whole situation a few years ago with Rihanna, the singer and Chris Brown, that whole domestic violence situation when, you know, that whole thing exploded. Yeah. yeah. W- WME, William Morris Endeavor. Endeavor is a company. They represent Rihanna. That's her agents. Imagine mm-hmm. if Rihanna's going in the office and she's been a, a, a very public survivor of domestic violence. And then this company just stays silent when another person on their roster, because ultimately Dana's an employee of endeavor. Now, like he doesn't own the UFC. He is essentially an employee of endeavor. Like that's who he works for. Right. The fact that they, again, I'm not saying the guy should lose his job, but make a statement, make a, you know, put out a public relations release and just say, Hey, we don't condone these actions it's that video is terrible, you know, whatever. And, and, and I'm not saying it all goes away, but at least you make an effort. Like at least you're publicly saying we don't, because by staying silent, you're not necessarily saying we condone this or we have no problem with it, but you're not, not doing it. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not, you know, you're, you're not, you're not absolving him, but you're also not even saying it's wrong.
3: Yeah. It's weak. It's it's just very weak uh, uh, as a business. And that's where I look at, you know whether it's Ari I think he's in uh, the head guy right in charge yeah, right? right and you know that's some of the things you have to do as a leader of a business of a company is you have to make these hard decisions and and whether it's you know minimal just a statement and I just I wonder what these meetings are looking like when they're talking about it and they're sitting down with the board or the different people involved and in they're saying you know let's just stay silent like how does the meeting end with that? You know, versus, you know, we got, there's something we have to do. Right. And, um, again, you know, I just say shame on them, right? Like it's what it comes down to is, uh, it's just a very, very weak uh, position that they're taking. And this is you know, we talk about it all the time about, uh, the next generation, how weak they're becoming and, you know, and these types of things is what is kind of trickling down and teaching this generation, this sort of weakness, um, you know, a lot of people may not even tie it directly to that, but I do. And and I think that's, uh, you know, what is teaching people weakness. And again, Dana was the guy who came out um, the most respectful and honorable of all this, even though he did the crime, which was a terrible thing to do and was wrong. And, you know, we, we're not going to uh, not I don't think there's any debate of that. But the way that he stood up and said, I did it. Don't defend me. Uh, you know, I deserve whatever I get that was an honorable thing to do. The weak people were the ones over top of him that had things that they could do and didn't do anything.
2: Yeah. And like I said, you know, when it comes to the whole punishment thing, like I'm not even, you know, like I just honestly thought like, and again, credit to Dana, for actually doing a um for actually doing the press conference and just like talking yep. about it and addressing it because my honest opinion was after that whole TMZ thing because TMZ is ultimately a partner of the UFC like they have a business with the UFC so doing that I was like okay you 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 you've gone to an outlet that's not really going to push you on these questions they're not going to question whatever happened you know even one guy in the interview is like now we heard there was a lot of alcohol involved like all right let's stop like the whole like you know um so I thought maybe Dana would just, you know, put his head in the sand and disappear for a month. You know, we wouldn't see because the, the the card coming up this weekend's in Brazil. The next one's in Australia. There are a lot of times where Dana doesn't travel to those events. I just thought maybe we wouldn't really see a lot of Dana until March. You know what I mean? And that would ultimately be his quote unquote punishment. He would just kind of fall off the radar for a couple months. He came back right away and was like, let's just talk about this. He stood in front of the media. Yeah. Everyone had. So again, even though I dis the one thing I disagree with him on is that like the whole like you know how does it punish me I I I disagree with that just because it's a little yeah. to me it's a bit egotistical to say like punishing me <laughs> yeah. punishes everybody else but that being said everything no, else he said go ahead good ahead.
3: No, as I I agree on that but also like would you would you not say the exact same thing in his position right like what like what's he supposed to say right <laughs>
2: like, yeah, yeah, like
3: he's not being punished and and he's basically already accepted any punishment that he gets said so, look i'm you know whatever happens happens but he's like, like what do you say in that position put yourself well, in
2: his shoes that right? goes and that goes back to what we're talking about right like in a way like exactly. in a way dana dana shouldn't be dana's not going to punish himself he's the president of course he's not like you know he. Right. So why aren't Endeavor, why aren't, you know, Endeavors the really the worst one here because they are the ones who employ him. And again, I'm not, nowhere am I saying that the guy should be gone. I don't think that at all. And I don't, I don't believe that. Um, but where are they just to say, like, we're going to handle this behind the scenes. What does that mean? It probably means nothing. You know, it probably means that, you know, they've, you know, they've talked to him about it. You know, basically said, if this ever happens again, you know, you're gone, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, whatever the case may be. But the fact that they're staying silent, like, yeah, in a way, I agree with what you're saying. Like, what's he supposed to say? Like, I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm suspending myself for 90 days. Like, he's the president of the UFC. There's no one above him in the UFC. So, yeah, I mean, talk about fumbling the bag. Endeavor is the worst one here because they didn't make a statement. They didn't even try to, like, you know, pretend that they're going to punish him. They didn't, you know, you're right in that way because, like I said, because everything else that Dana has said – has been right. Don't defend me. Don't don't make excuses for me. What people have to say, I I have to live with this for the rest of my life. All those things are right, and and that's my whole
3: point. Dana came out yeah. and, and you know th- in a time like this, like it's a time it, it shows who the strong and who the weak are. Dana came out. We regard. I mean, we all know what he did was wrong, and um, there's no excuse for it. He said it his damn self, so everybody can stop making fucking excuses for him, right? <laughs> um, but at a time like this, you you see, you kind of weed out the weak from the strong, right? Data came out strong. You know, he faced up to it straight away, did a press conference, put it out there, said what he said, didn't defend himself. Um, Ari, uh, Endeavor or whatever, WME, all these guys, they come out the weak ones, in my opinion, right? They, they don't have the integrity or the morals or, you know, whatever it is to come out and just condemn it and, you know figure something out from it
2: yeah and that's like i said that's you know even if even if the punishment is no punishment the fact that you're at least putting out a statement saying we don't condone these actions how right. hard is that how do you mess yeah. that up like how do you mess yeah, it's really that beyond up me why
3: yeah you know, why I, I, it's really beyond me why they haven't done that it just doesn't make sense it doesn't add up
2: yeah like when when a u like, even like we've seen this in the ufc when a fighter messes up or does something stupid or gets arrested or whatever the case may be, the UFC will, you know, usually, you know, and we may, you know, some people get released or whatever. We know that happens, but like, sometimes they you know, they'll, they'll put out a statement. Like that's just normal business relations. Like that's just how it works. Like they'll put out a statement saying, you know, we don't condone these actions. Uh, right. you know, I mean, now granted, this is a, a much different situation, obviously, affects the UFC on a much grander scale. But like, when the whole James Krause thing happened, they released a freaking three page long, you know, like all this stuff, like, you know, basically absolving, you know, never, you know, basically, can, now again, that's, I, I understand it's a totally different situation, but still, like, that's how serious it was. Like, within a day, they're putting out a huge statement saying, like, how does Endeavor fumble this so badly? Like, how do they mess this up so? And like, I just don't understand it. Like, you are a company that before you owned the UFC, you were a you were a, an agency. You represented people. You have a public relations department. You know what I mean? Stars, celebrities do stupid, horrible things all the time. You know what I mean? And people put out – how could you – how do you fumble this so badly? I just don't understand it. I, I couldn't agree more.
3: That's exactly what it is, man. It just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense, and I'm not sure what exactly is going on. So, ultimately, I just – relegated to weakness man they're just being weak about it and poor decision making and that's what part of being a leader is part of being a ceo part of being the head of a big business like you're going to have these hard decisions and when they uh when they're not firm on their decision and 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 strike right away uh, it shows weakness to me
2: yeah i agree i totally agree um so we'll move beyond that. Of course, the biggest story coming out of the weekend, we all know the news. John Jones is officially back. He's going to fight Surreal Gone coming up at UFC 286, I think it's the number, 285. 285 in March in T-Mobile, which, by the way, I do still find it hilarious that some billboard operator at T-Mobile Arena broke the news before anybody else, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, That was a full-on, like, I can't believe this actually happened. Uh, But that was pretty funny. Uh, But then afterwards, we found out the UFC has cut all ties with Francis Ngannou. They let him go. Uh, They're not going to do a matching period. They're not going to do anything. They've officially made him a free agent. He can sign anywhere he wants, and they've stripped him of the heavyweight title, of course. Um, Matt, your reaction when you saw this news, because it was what everyone was buzzing about on Saturday night. It kind of dominated the fights. We kind of forget there was a fight on Saturday night because everyone was talking about this. So what was your initial reaction when you heard that, uh, you know, John Jones is back. He's fighting Cyril Ghosn, and Francis Ngannou is out.
3: Yeah, well, my first reaction was I seen John Jones' was back. I said, Well, why is he not fighting Francis? right? Why is he fighting God? And then you find out Francis is released from his contract. And, and you know, what a uh, unique situation. Um, why? I, I don't, I'm not getting this at all either. You know, this is another thing where I, I'm just kind of befuddled. Why are they letting Ngano go like that? Um, you got the baddest dude in the world, and um, you couldn't come to terms in some way. Um, I really don't know what they're thinking. You know, I, I'm really at a loss here. Um, you, I got to think they, they got some sort of plan. I mean, you know, maybe they're kind of banking on John Jones winning. And, um, you know, they'll have him as the heavyweight superstar, which, of course, uh, I'm picking him to win. And I think uh, he will be a gigantic star at heavyweight, even more so than he is now. Um but man, yeah. It's it, i I don't I don't I I i I can't figure it out. I just, I just don't know.
2: It's uh it's so bizarre to me because you know, Fran, like let, 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 let me know like Francis Francis has such an incredible story and talking to Francis, have you talked to Francis much? I don't know if you've really met him or hung I've out never, with him
3: I've never talked to Francis okay, so. So,
2: I've only interviewed him and talked to him a few times, you know, whatever, but he is like the nicest guy in the world. Like he is genuinely like as genuinely nice as like, you know, not the fake, like, you know, whatever. Like he's a gen- and I'll say this, I've said this many times, like my personal interactions with John, I know John Jones has a terrible reputation. Every time John has been nothing but nice to me. Like I, I always mm-hmm. in that way will defend John Jones because John has always been super cool with me. Like whenever I see him. Um, Francis is that dude. Like Francis is an incredibly nice guy. He's also the dude who will hit you and knock your head into the fourth row. You know, <laughs> baddest dude in the world. Um what I don't understand about this whole thing is if his because what Francis wanted, what we have to imagine he wanted ultimately, it wasn't just about money, okay? Because let's be real, outside of him going and doing a boxing match with let's say Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder, one of those big things and there's going to be a big payday attached to that where he's going to make 10, 20, 30 million dollars, if it's mixed martial arts, he's not going to make more money than he would make in the UFC because PFL one championship Bellator. They can throw a couple million at him, but they can't throw pay-per-view points at him and pay-per-view points. If he fights John Jones, that fight is going to do 800,000 buys and he's going to make, you know, 10 million on top of his paycheck. So let's just be honest. Let me, let me start there. You aren't going to make more money in mixed martial arts than you will in the UFC. That being but said,
3: really, but real quick, real quick, isn't, uh, so PFO with Jake Paul is talking about doing this 50, 50 split.
2: Well, they are, but 50, 50 of, of 75,000 buys, uh, doesn't really equate to a lot. of. But you don't
3: think, you don't think in Ghana would get more than 75,000 buys.
2: I mean, regardless
3: of regardless of who he's fighting.
2: Uh, to a, maybe, but I mean, his fight with Cyril Ghosn did like 300,000 buys. His fight with Stipe did like 350. It wasn't huge. It wasn't like astronomical numbers. And the problem is, is who's he going to fight? I mean, boxing, if he does Deontay Wilder and they go in there and there's just two. World. Yeah, that's a different world. But MMA, I don't know who he's going to fight. The people are going to plunk down $70 to watch. That's the problem. I think, sir, I think his first fight, whatever he does is going to bring in a lot of eyeballs. But beyond that, like, are we gonna pay? Are you, are, like, as a consumer, you're gonna pay $70 to watch him fight um, Linton Vassal in Bellator?
3: Right, or, right.
2: And that's not a knock on Linton Vassal. I'm just saying, like,
3: 50% of, you know, 75,000 buys more than, you know, whatever percent of 300, 400,000 buys.
2: It could be, but depending on what you're charging and how many buys, sure. You, it could be right. PFL, like I said, that's what they're offering. And, and you know, it, I mean,
3: It would seem like I'm just wondering if this is where his head's at.
2: Yeah. Well, and here's the thing if that's ultimately what you want, you want more freedom to do things. And that's been his big, that's been his biggest, you know, statement this entire time is he wanted freedom to do other things. And boxing's the one thing he wanted to do. The UFC, by allowing Conor McGregor to do that back in 2017 to go fight Floyd Mayweather, they opened the door to this. Yeah. They open the door to this, to allowing, and it's not going to happen all the time. And there's not going to be a long list of fighters who are going to have viable, big matchups that would actually be entertained. Like, they're like, Islam Makachev is not going to suddenly say, you know what, I really want to fight Tank Davis. No, that's not going to happen. We all know that's not going to happen. Like, they're not going to, he's not going to suddenly say, you know what, I really feel like fighting Oscar De La Hoya and his re, re- comeback from retirement. No, <laughs> but. Francis Ngannou, the baddest heavyweight on the planet, going out there and trading hands with Deontay Wilder, that's, you know, now, do I think that Francis will do great against high-level boxers? It's probably not going to go well because ultimately, and even though heavyweight, I get it, but, you know, boxing, I, I hate the disrespect to boxing that, like, a guy from MMA could just come in and beat the best boxers. It's probably not going to happen. But if he wants to go secure a bag and get paid $20 million, $30 million to go out there and throw hands with Deontay Wilder for 19 seconds or however long those two savages can throw bunches at each other, go for it. And the UFC has to shoulder the blame because they let one guy do it. And we all understand Connor's a superstar. He's the biggest name. We all understand that. But you opened the door and now you're telling this guy, we won't do for you what we did for Connor."
3: Yeah, that's a good point, you know. I think that's a real good point. Cause and whatever organization, let's say Engano does go to PFL, he's probably not gonna sign exclusively with them, right? So now he could do PFL and boxing, right? Like he's gonna certainly have this in his contract now, right? So uh I think this is, you know, and, and like you said, even more so than the money. Now he can do all these different things and he can really you know, he's going to make enough money to be perfectly fine. He's going to make good money. Um, he's And he's not going to be fighting the – he doesn't have to deal with John Jones coming up to heavyweight, right? He doesn't have to deal with A coming back and these guys trading their life off to fight him. Uh, but what he may end up having to deal with is Tyson Fury, right? If he ends up fighting Fury, that's, you know – I actually think Wilder and Engano is a great matchup. I think that's a really solid matchup where uh, the two of them uh, could have a really good fight. And I think Wilder is a little underrated as a boxer personally. I think he has better boxing. He just looks terrible at doing it. And everybody only talks about his power and kind of forgets that he does actually have some skill. Um, but I think Ngano makes a good matchup for him because Wilder leaves himself to be hit and, uh, we all know what happens when ngano hits someone. And um, so I think that's actually a great matchup. Um, him fighting Fury, though, uh, I-, I wonder about that one because we all know what's going to happen. But then again, we all knew what was going to happen with Floyd and Conor. So <laughs> it gets pretty interesting, you know. But uh, I-, I have to think that, that ngano wants to fight in PFL and boxing, right? Is this possible?
2: Yeah, I think it's possible, and I think that's you know whatever the whatever scenario happens, I think that's the most likely the way it plays out is he does he signs with some MMA organization for a fight or two, but then he's also going to do boxing. Boxing is the thing he's always wanted to do, and we all know that. And I'm not going to fault. Listen, the guy has a dream. And, and you know, the he,
3: other part of this too is that look, if he, if he goes out there and beats Deontay Wilder, beats Tyson Fury, which I I highly doubt, but look. This is fighting, bro. This shit, crazy shit happens. And he, and then he goes to PFL and has a fight and has a fifty-fifty split with him. That does over, uh, you know, that does over three hundred thousand buys. Now, I don't care yeah, who no, he fights. Right? Oh, absolutely, he's the biggest oh, star in the world at that point.
2: Absolutely, if he can go out there and I, you know, I keep saying Deontay Wilder. I think that's the fight that would make the most sense because a. Tyson Fury is back now and I don't think he's going to really entertain the kind of weird freak show fight as much, especially with Usyk yeah. out there and, and Tyson not to say like, you know, just like Floyd, you know, Tyson might entertain it to take a you know a paycheck. Sure. Uh, but it seems like he's more focused on like establishing himself as like one of the greatest heavyweight boxers of all time right now. At least it seems that way to and, me.
3: And I would, I would disagree. I think Tyson just personality wise would love that, right? Like he's just a fighter like that. And, it's an easy payday for him. Uh, I think Tyson will be more into it than you think. Uh, I think the biggest X factor in all that is Usyk, who you brought up, and Usyk is going to give Tyson a way tougher fight than anybody is giving him credit for right now, and Usyk might beat him.
2: Usyk's really, but that's and but that's a fight in boxing that will sell. People want to see that fight. Like that for is sure. the biggest fight you can make right now now would the Francis Ngannou fight be easier in terms of like less danger than Alexander Usyk yes uh in terms of um, like you know like Usyk has a legit chance of beating Fury I don't I'm being honest with you, I don't give Ngannou a great chance of beating Tyson Fury I mean yes it's heavyweights one but dude he got hit by a cement brick in Deontay Wilder and I would argue Deontay Wilder probably hits just as hard as Francis Ngannou and he any he, he, he kept. Now I'm not saying you know you get hit on the button by the wrong spot and you're gonna go out no matter who hits you. But what I'm saying is is like, odds are Tyson Fury would be an astronomical favorite over Francis. He would Igano. be an
3: astronomical favorite. The hard thing is we've never seen a guy a box, so we really don't know how good his boxing is. MMA is not boxing, so uh, we get we need to see him box first, right? Like it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, we can't even make a determination without seeing him box.
2: Yeah, but him and Deontay Wilder, that's an interesting one. I think that's one that would sell a lot of pay-per-views. There'd be a lot of interest there. Two of the heaviest hitters in the history of sports. I mean, not just yeah. boxing. MMA, like, too, so yeah. And if but
3: here's saying- if, if, if in a perfect world, I'd love to see Ngano if he wants to really seriously wants to go box like go go be the mm-hmm. lower-ranked heavyweight first. I mean, this is what you know, same thing I said with Connor, the same thing I talk about with any of these guys who want to go box, like go beat one of the lower ranked guys first. I'd love to see, uh, uh, what's, it, um, Nangato fight like Stiburn or something like that. And, you know, one of these guys like in the top 10 that's uh, going to be a tough test. And, uh, and if they lose to him, then he's just, you know, don't try to box again. If he beats him, you know, then maybe we got something on our hands worth watching.
2: Somebody threw out Andy Ruiz. I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Uh, you
3: know, yeah but, well he's fighting uh he's fighting soon uh
2: yeah well no I'm just saying like that level you know, guys. yeah yeah the guy who's the guy who's you know good but not too good but it, here's the thing I, I'll disagree with you there well I agree with you in principle I do agree with you in principle on on the on the paycheck side if you lose to Severn or well, one of those yeah. guys then it goes so go get the Deontay Wilder fight go get the Tyson Fury fight get your paycheck get your huge money I'm fine with all that um my issue is is if that's what francis wanted he wanted to live his dream and go box he wanted to box tyson fury he wanted to box deontay wilder i don't understand the ufc's logic in just letting the greatest heavyweight maybe the greatest heavyweight will ever we don't know we don't we still don't know because he hasn't had a chance to prove it yet but maybe he is like how do you not want to get in business with this guy to go make that fight like you did it with connor and 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 i understand like uh tyson's represented by top rank which means dealing with bob arum and dana and bob arum despise each other and maybe that's what it was behind the scenes like he's like i'm not going to deal with bob arum i don't know i don't know who who is i don't know who deontay wilder's promoter is is it is it pbc is it premier boxing i can't remember who his promoter Uh, is sure uh but like if, if that's ultimately what he wanted and he's like, I'll take the money. I just want to go do this boxing match. I just don't, I don't, I don't get why you wouldn't say, okay, like you did it once. And it's not going to be an every, every guy's, every guy and every girl is not going to get the same thing because every guy and every girl isn't going to get the same opportunity. Let's be honest about that. Like not everyone, as I said, like I said, <laughs> there's not, there's not going to be a scenario where they're like, you know what, Aljamain Sterling, you've looked pretty good. We're going to match you up a Tank Davis or whatever the weight class, you know, <laughs> it, no, one, it's not going to happen. Um uh, this is one that could happen and and it would get this guy a 30-40 million dollar payday whatever it is. I just I don't understand the logic. And and here's here's and I'll say this Matt and and here's where it really here's the thing that bothers me most about this and I know everyone's been talking about this. Francis wanted money but he also wanted freedom to do other things. We all know that. Francis has said that publicly numerous times. He said it on interviews and and whatever. Why do we always have to get this narrative from Dana of him saying, well, he wanted to get paid more money to fight lesser competition, and that's not what we do here. He wanted to leave to fight. Now, could I argue and say that Francis will not face the same level of competition outside the UFC in heavyweights? Yeah, I, I could see that. Like, I, get, I I understand because there's heavyweight's not a deep pool. Like, it's just not. Like, you're not going to go fight the random dude like was anti delicia. I think is his name. The guy who won the heavyweight in PFL. Like, are we, are we going to pretend that dude is on the same level as Stipe yeah. or, you know, John Jones or even surreal gone or, or Curtis blades or, or Sergey Pavlik. No, we're not going to pretend that we're not going to pretend that that dude is on the same level, but to suggest that he's leaving surely because he wants to fight lesser competition is so ridiculous. And I don't understand that narrative
3: and that narrative worked for other guys, for sure, right? Like, uh, whether it was true or not, like, we could kind of buy into it a little bit, right? With Francis Ngannou, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, like, this dude just beat the the best heavyweights in the world. Like, did you see what he did to Alistair Overeem? I don't think he's scared of, of anyone, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, but- I mean, he beat Stipe handedly, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, man. Like, yeah, you, you can't. We're, I don't think anybody's buying into that first Francis.
2: Yeah, just don't say it. Like, stop that. He does it every time. Like when Dustin Poirier supposedly didn't want to fight some but Tony Ferguson or something, he came out. He's like, maybe he just doesn't want to fight him. Maybe he just doesn't. He doesn't like that fight. I'm like, come on, it's Dustin Poirier. Like the dude yeah. fights everyone, anyone. He's never like, just stop. Every, like. Do Are there times when fighters turn down fights because they don't like a matchup? Of course that happens. We all know that. It happens. But to this narrative that they're afraid, dude, you step in a cage with another human being knowing full well you're going to get, you could potentially get your head knocked off or a limb broken. You step... Suggest that he's he somehow he's he's like he doesn't say he's scared but he kind of says he's scared right like that's kind yeah. of the narrative you're building when you're saying like well he wants to get paid more for lesser competition and that's not what we do here i'm like come on dana we all know yeah, better. it's, than it's that. sort of a
3: political thing i think where i mean if you think about politicians or, or you know dana speaking you know you're you're speaking to the lowest common denominator here right you're, you're not speaking to the the people that are educated and right like you're speaking to the casuals like those are the people that you're pandering to the most on when you're saying things like that and you know a lot of them probably believe it to be honest right like they'll buy into anything cuz uh, they don't know the ins and outs of it you know um and, you know it's it's very similar to you know how politicians say different things right they they're just saying things that the mainstream mass people are going to buy into And those that really know, you know, like me and you, we know Francis isn't scared of anyone. And, you know, we'll have listeners on here that'll understand and they'll listen to us and say, oh yeah, yeah, you know, they're right. But yeah, there's millions of other people out there that are gonna buy into it probably.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSC.
2: Yeah, I want to talk about John Jones at heavyweight in a second. But last thing on Francis, I want to say this. You know, the UFC has rarely <laughs> lost a fighter they either wanted or wanted to keep. We all yeah. know, of course, Dana brought it up with Fedor. That was a big one years ago. And to be honest, and I'll say I know it's a controversial statement now, and I'll say like, I don't think losing Fedor was the worst thing ever. Like, I never... I love Fedor. You will know. I, I'm a huge Fedor fan. And I loved watching him at Pride and the dude is still going at 45 or whatever he's doing right now. But I never... I never quite like, I never thought that Like, would I have loved to see Fedor in the UFC? Of course. But I never thought that was like a key because he was never in the UFC. Right? Like we still have like the unanswered question and he eventually fought Fabricio over doom. He lost. He had a couple other losses in there and maybe that would have happened in the UFC. I don't know, but I can't imagine out of everyone that's ever been out there, free agent or fighter who's been in the UFC and left. And I'm talking about like guys like Eddie Alvarez or, or, or Benson Henderson guys who have been champions guys who have been there. To me, Matt, am I wrong in saying this is the biggest loss the UFC's ever had in terms of losing a fighter who's left the organization who they wanted to keep and they couldn't keep? Like, I can't think of another scenario where there's yeah. been anyone of this level, right? Like, of this level, Francis, freaking the heavyweight champion, the baddest dude on the planet, and you, and, and he's gone. Like, that's
3: and the biggest in,
2: loss. And,
3: and probably in his prime, too, right? I mean, I, I think his age is questionable, you know, like, whether it's, true that he's what 37 right
2: i think he's like 34 i think 33 or 34 or something like that
3: yeah i I think that um, maybe i just follow too much conspiracy bullshit (laughs) on twitter but there's a lot of people saying like dude he's probably more like 41 or 42 uh, but whatever who who cares Uh, i can't think of a bigger loss either i can't think of uh, uh, another guy who again i think francis is either in his prime or or very close to his prime, right? He's champion. He's smashed the top guys in his weight class. So, uh, yeah, I can't think of anyone. And I just got to wonder if, you know, is Francis, when when he says he wants the freedom, is he equating that freedom to more money? Is that what he's saying? like, okay, I can do what I want, and I can live or die on my own work, right? Where he knows in the UFC, you know, this is his only option right? He's got to fight the next toughest guy and that's how you make money. Right. And however much they're able to pump up the next guy is going to depend on how much money he can make, where now at least he has options. And if he goes out there and does some great things, he can be, you know, one of the wealthiest athletes in the world. If he goes out and, you know, maybe loses or something, you know, of course his stock will go down and it won't be that much, but it, it seems to me what I take from it is like, he's betting on himself here and, he thinks he's going to go do some great things and he's, um, you know, wants to have that uh, availability to do that.
2: Yeah. And listen, I think Francis is probably one of the only guys in the sports that could do that right now, right? Like where he can bet on himself and know there's going to be big paychecks out there. Like PFL. Is going to roll out the Brinks truck to sign him. Bellator should be talking to like the people at Paramount, but like how, what, what assets can we sell to sign Francis and yeah. Uh yeah. You know all these organizations. And, and again, even if like Deontay Wilder, like if I'm Deontay Wilder, I would take to Twitter right now and call him out. Like Francis, you're free. Let's go. Because I love Deontay. I, I agree with you. I think he's a much better boxer. Than people give him credit for, but he's lost to Tyson a couple of times, and the last one really didn't go well for him. Um, you know, could he fight Anthony Joshua and make a bag? Sure, he could do that. But what would be a, a higher, you know, a higher? I mean, is there risk? Of course, there's risk. But let's be honest, Deontay Wilder is still going to be a, a pretty heavy favorite to beat Francis Ngannou. Um, high, you know, low risk, high reward. I mean, you're gonna because the, the 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 attention that Francis is going to bring. You're gonna get more from that than any other fight you're gonna have in boxing right now, probably. Like Yeah, you, know, yeah. you could go to the UK and fight Anthony Joshua and be a big fight, but yep. is it gonna is it gonna translate into pay-per-view buys? I, I don't know that there's gonna be a lot of people. I mean, yeah, will you'll sell some, but yeah. I think Francis I think Francis would sell more, is what I'm getting at. Um he, he-
3: I think he goes and fights Anthony Joshua, which I, I'm picking Joshua to lose to Andy Ruiz, too. So, uh, you know, his stock's going to start going down probably. But uh, if, if he were to go fight Anthony Joshua in the UK, that would do massive pay per view buys. Anthony Joshua just sells in the UK, period. That's, yeah. That's, it doesn't matter who he's fighting. And he comes in and fights. Francis Zagato, that does when I'm five. saying, i
2: I'm saying like Deontay fighting Anthony Joshua. Like it would be a oh, big fight, yeah. but I'm saying like, I think Deontay and Francis would do better. And in the U S where you get more so. money, you, you're going to get, you're going to get more money because Anthony Joshua is a star in the, in the UK, but the UK doesn't sell pay-per-views at the same price. They do over here over in the UK at pay-per-views, like 20 bucks. You know what I mean? Uh,
3: I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah.
2: So you could sell a million
3: they over there. But- a ninety thousand person arena though. Like yeah, they do,
2: they do, they do <laughs> that. But but I think like over here you could sell you know six hundred thousand pay per view buys and make way more money because obviously fighters here in boxing get a much bigger split of the purse. Um, what I'm saying, but what I'm saying, I'm Deontay Wilder, okay, but you, and also Anthony Joshua, for as many flaws as he has, he's still a dangerous boxer, right? Francis, you take less risk, like Francis, you just have to worry about him waylaying you with a big punch. He's not, we don't, and we don't know what we're getting in Francis as a boxer and chances are on day one, you're not going to get, you're not going to, you're not going to face as much danger and risk fighting Francis as you would, let's say Anthony Joshua, because for all the, all the faults that Anthony Joshua has, he's still a pretty decent boxer, and Fran- fighting Francis Ngannou, you get a big, big paycheck, guaranteed thirty million dollars, whatever. So if I'm Deontay Wilder, I'm calling out Francis today, like I'm calling him out, saying, "Let's go, big boy, let's go." And and Francis, to hit to your point, he's one of the only guys outside of maybe Connor and a couple other people right now who could do that, right? Like most people don't have the <laughs> leverage to go out and demand a two or three million dollar pay or go to PFL and say, "Open up that checkbook, boys! You're going to be paying me seven figures in a lot of ways." Um, so I'm I'm rooting for Francis in that way because he's one of the only guys who could do this. Because let's be and I, I'm I know it's gonna sound terrible. I'm using it as an example, but like at this stage of like you know Parker Porter, who is a UFC heavyweight, said, "You know what? I'm betting on myself. I'm gonna go and bet on myself, and I'm gonna get... come on. No one's gonna pay you. It's not going to work Yeah, no, no, work no, out. Yeah, they'll no they'll it's work. not gonna work out. You might you might sign with PFL and they'll give you a chance to enter the tournament for a million dollars, but you ain't getting a million <laughs> okay. up front."
3: Now, the only other part that we haven't really talked about uh, about this, uh, uh, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but with Jake Paul being involved in boxing now and being involved with the PFL now, does he make some moves with Francis, put him on one of his pay-per-views together? Does the PFL something? I don't know how what it would look like, but did they all somehow work together and all get rich together?
2: Should hundred percent. They should team up tomorrow. They should absolutely team up tomorrow.
3: Yeah. What better how, bet of, is that, what, how does that work? What is, is Jake Paul? He's with Triller, right?
2: No, he he's or, not with. He's, he was. Paul? He basically he does a one. He does a one fight deal every time with Showtime. Showtime's been his promoter, but just like in boxing, you know, it's like a one time thing. Like they're not signing like a long term deal. So from my understanding, he can pretty much go where he wants. Showtime's just been his promoter over the last couple of fights, but now he does have some sort of deal with pfl so maybe that's where he's gonna box now too i don't know i don't know the ins and outs of that but uh yeah i agree with you jake paul and jake paul and francis they did a they did a tv show together and they were kind of talking about like this uh this is like a year ago or like eight months ago they were doing a show where they were talking about this whole you know collective bargaining and 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 unions in the ufc and the freedom the ufc doesn't give you they seem to be a little bit of kindred spirits where dana white was concerned team up team up
3: do yeah, it that's what that's what I'm wondering is is something going on that no one's really talked about yet that I haven't heard. At least I haven't heard anything about no one's mentioned. So just kind to bring that up and throw
2: that out there. No, you're absolutely right. And, and listen, Jake Paul fighting Tommy Fury and Francis fighting Deontay Wilder, that is a massive yeah. pay-per-view. Massive. massive. You know? Massive.
3: Big as it gets.
2: Yeah, through, well, do it.
3: You know, outside of, I don't know, Fury versus Mike Tyson. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, do it. And make, and again, I'm rooting for Francis to make it. Now, long-term, is there a chance Francis might struggle to find competition if he does, let's say, fights Deontay Wilder and loses, and then he's in PFL fighting, you know, anti-Dilisha? Is he going to eventually run out of competition because heavyweight's just not that deep? Sure, it's possible. But that's two years down the road, and guess what? Right. Two years down the road, he might be retired with a freaking bag as big as a house. You know what yeah. I mean? He might, be like, he might have like $50 million in the bank and say, I'm peacing out, boys. And the
3: only one that I want to happen that will absolutely not happen, probably completely out of question, but what I would actually like to see out of this whole thing is in glory, Alistar Overeem versus Francis gano
2: Yeah, I'd like to see Rico Verhoeven. That, Rico Verhoeven and Francis well, would be or interesting. Rico,
3: yeah, I mean, I, I just like to see it only because of what happened with Alistar the first oh, time. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, see, see it, it, see it in gig under Under Alistar's preferred rule set. But yeah, even I didn't think about Barry Hooven. God, yeah, what a fight that would be too, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the other piece of this puzzle, Matt, is of course John Jones is officially back. He's going to fight Cyril Gon in March. Um, I said this when we did our year preview show a couple weeks back, and I said that you know, I you know Francis was to me Francis was the scariest guy. To fight John because Francis has that incredible one-punch knockout power that could just—it levels the playing field. As good as John Jones is, it levels the playing field against anybody, and all you need to do is clip you one time and you're done. I like Cyril Gane very much. He's an incredibly talented guy, but he got taken down at will by Francis Ngannou, a 260-pound John Jones, unless he's moving in there like a slug because he's so heavy now. Dude, remember remember when John Jones fought Brandon Vera and he took him down and just elbowed his head into the middle of the canvas? I have a, I have a little bit of a feeling that's how this fight's gonna go. And I like Cyril Gon very much. But if John Jones is smart, and I think John Jones is very smart in the cage, does a lot of stupid things outside the cage, inside the cage, dude, his fight IQ is astronomical. I think he takes Cyril Gon down and elbows him into oblivion. Um and Listen, the UFC has bet big on John Jones before and and come up snake eyes because John's made a lot of dumb mistakes. Um, but if John's got his act together and things are going well for him, um, I do think there's more danger in heavyweight. Guys like Curtis Blades who can wrestle, a guy like Sergey Pavlovich who's got that huge one punch knockout power. But John Jones, he could. I mean, like I said, that that how do you how do you make people forget about Francis Ngannou? You throw John Jones in there at heavyweight. Yep.
3: Yep, I couldn't agree more. And I think the the other thing too is that I I think John Jones is going over with uh, Henry Cejudo, going to have him coach him. And I think Henry, that's a great matchup for a great match for John in terms of a guy who uh, he can really relate to and a guy that um, you know can be a positive influence on him and and help him um, not only in the cage but in life too. Uh, you know i think the, uh that's going to be a great match uh as uh training partners coaches however you want to put it and john jones is going to go in and wreck the heavyweight division you know without Engano there i think Engano was the only chance of beating john jones um unfortunately for gone like you said it's just a terrible matchup man like how, what's he gonna john's just too smart he's like you said he's gonna find a way to take him down and Uh, It's going to be very, very bad news. Gon has years and years to go to catch up if he ever could catch up to John Jones on the ground, which is pretty unlikely. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a a pretty, you know, the only thing is, John is hittable and Gon is good at hitting people. So, you know, I think that's, you know, there's a, like, Gon has a chance. Like, I'm not going to say that that John's just going to walk right through him and blow him out. Like gone has a chance in his fight. There is a path to victory for him, um, but it's really dependent on Jones, right? If, if he decides that he's going to remove all paths to victory, I think he can, if he gets a little cocky or, uh, you know, wants to try to test himself in Don's waters, then it's going to, you know, could be a tough night for John, but I'm right there with you. I think he's going to pick the path to an easy victory. He's going to take Gone down, and it's going to be a bad night for Gone.
2: Yeah. And remember, when John is motivated, like, and I agree, you know, Paul, one thing Paul Felder said on the show last week, and I agree with, he's like, I think when John was fighting Tiago Santos and he was fighting Dominic Reyes and he's fighting Anthony Smith, and I love all those guys, there's nothing against them. But I think at that point, John's just bored. You know, John was bored when you look like he had that really close fight with Alexander Gustafson the first time. And he's like, man, he made a mistake. He openly said, I didn't train for this guy. I didn't get ready for this guy. And it nearly cost me. What happened in the rematch? John destroyed Gustafson, absolutely destroyed him. Um, I think John is going to be more motivated now because these guys are more dangerous. Like there, there wasn't as much inherent risk fighting Anthony Smith. There wasn't as much inherent risk fighting tiago santos even though i know santos has big power i get all that but still um you know he 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 beaten he already beaten the legends he went through shogun he went through rampage He went through daniel cormier he went through all the legends and now he's just fighting the next guy and i don't think john's into just fighting the next guy um i still do think this the, you know at his best the stipe matchup is interesting because stipe's got the yeah. wrestling he's got heavy hands um, you know, it's interesting. And I think, you know, Curtis blades is interesting. I think Curtis has incredible wrestling. He's a big guy. Um, you know, he's got good, you know, he's gotten much better hands recently. I think again, your guy, Sergey Pavlovich will be interesting, but the one guy I, I gave a, a legitimate chance to beat John Jones is not there anymore.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's exactly right. And that's the thing. John can wrestle all these guys, I think. That, that's the big problem that they all have uh i mean when we watched him fight daniel cormier and he stuffed cormier's takedowns like it was nothing and then took cormier down like i don't put anything past john jones now right <laughs> like, and then come to find out he was on a coke binge the week before <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you can't put anything past this guy man um uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch him in the in the heavyweight division, and I'm not seeing anybody giving him a a real uh, hard match, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I mean he's going to be a favorite against everybody. I, you know, you know how you know my feelings on Stephen Miocic. love him, Ohio legend. Uh, yeah. Your guy Sergey, I think he's a force. I think he's a really really fun guy to watch. Curtis Blades, maybe the most underrated heavyweight in the sport right now. Um, Tom Aspinall, guy that I know you're very high on. We've talked about yeah. him, but nobody's going to be favored to be John Jones. And that's the reality. Like I think Francis, just up to, wise, yeah, no, one just, up well with them. no, no. And John, yeah. you bet John. I bet John was a John's a John's a massive dude. Like he's not, yeah. gonna, he's not a guy who's going to be going up to heavyweight and giving up size. Like John is a yeah. huge guy. You know what I mean? Like John's not going to be giving up reach or size or, or, you know, you could argue power, but I, the way he's working out and getting ready to fight a heavyweight it sure, sure. looks like he's putting on power.
3: Yeah, and he's done the right things. He's taken his time to move up to heavyweight. He, it wasn't a one fight that, you know, six months later, he's fighting a heavyweight. Like, it's been how many years now? You yeah. know, so he's had time to pack on this weight and get adjusted to it, uh, get the cardio there. Um, so so the real, on, the only real question is, you know, is John's cardio going to hold up a heavyweight? Is, uh, is he, you know, going to be a little slower at heavyweight? Uh these are the only real questions but with skill for skill John Jones is by far the best guy out there at heavyweight now.
2: I think talent wise you know to me it comes down to two people it's it's Demetrius Johnson and John Jones in terms of the most talented fighters I've ever seen. And there's just some things you can't overcome in that. You know what I mean? Like talent wise like at heavyweight there's just no one as talented as John Jones. Now again it's heavyweight. Can you get clipped? Can you get caught? Can you get a you know, straight punch? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, if when, when Derek Lewis caught uh, Curtis Blades, like, I think if they fought again and fought 10 more times, I'd pick Curtis Blades to win every single time. But in that one instance, he made a mistake. He ducked his head, and Derek Lewis hit him with the uppercut and knocked him out. That could happen, absolutely. Um, but if you're just talking about, like, matchup-wise, you know, it's like Demetrius. Like, just no one's – at his weight class, no one should beat Demetrius Johnson. Like, you just, it shouldn't happen. Right. And I agree with you on Henry Cejudo too. I think in, in the long run, Henry may end up being a better coach and he is a fighter, and he's a really good fighter. Like he's a, he seems to be an incredible coach. Um, yeah, I mean, I just all it's and listen. And and with John Jones having someone like I think there's a
3: big difference between having um, yeah you know, nothing against Greg Jackson, but you know, Greg Jackson is a martial arts coach and is a guy who. Um, he wasn't really a fighter, you know, didn't really do. Th- Henry Cejudo was a gold medalist. Like John has a certain level of respect for him that he, you you can't get any other way other than going out there and getting a gold medal. So, uh, you know, I think that that level of respect is going to be a, a big factor in Henry coaching John.
2: Yeah. So outside of like a weird upset, we're both kind of agreeing. No one at heavyweight in the UFC right now beats John Jones.
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. Cause the thing, one of the big things we I've noticed about John is, uh, you know, he's had some close fights and um, you know, hasn't always dominated everyone. But with the one thing that I've noticed about him is he never makes the big mistake, right? He doesn't like Curtis blades made a big mistake. You were just talking about put his head down, you know, wrong time, wrong spot. Um, John just never makes those big mistakes that are fight ending mistakes. He'll get hit and make small mistakes um, maybe gets a little bit laxer days, gold times. Maybe doesn't take it so serious. Maybe he's a little overconfident. Maybe you know whatever it is. But he never makes that mistake. Which I mean, I can look at my own career. Like I've made those big mistakes before, right? And um, you just don't see John do that. He never does the fight inning mistake. It was almost like uh, if you watch the Bengals Ravens game, right? Like Lamar Huntley made the big mistake that changed the game, right? John just doesn't do that. You, you yeah. have to force him to make a big mistake. and that's not an easy task against a guy as skilled as him and as athletic as him. And you know we all say defense wins championships and um, he again, he, he never makes that big defensive error um, where he where you're looking at uh, having an ability to win the fight. The only time actually that he actually did make a mistake that was that big was against Vitor Belfort that I can think of. You know, he gave up his arm, Vitor took the arm. John gutted out and got through it, but, um, you know, that's a, that was a very rare thing. And um, I think he, uh, you know, who knows what was going on in John's head. It looked to me like he was just completely relaxed and was like, dude, I'm like, this is going to be real bad for you. And then Vitor just, I mean, you know, it's Vitor Belfort, right? He just popped it out of nowhere, you know, exploded into it. But uh, that is so rare for John Jones from everything I've ever seen from him.
2: Yeah, we can talk about all the dumb things he's done outside the cage, but inside the cage, he might be the smartest fighter ever, like, honestly. Like, he may be, Mm -hmm. like, fight IQ. We talk about fight IQ all the time. John Jones may be head and shoulders above everybody. Like, that may be his greatest asset, you know what I mean? He is smarter than you in the cage, and um, it's going to be hard for anyone to beat him in heavyweight. Like I said, Francis was the one guy I don't know that anyone else does it.
3: Yeah, the only one I compared to him, fight IQ wise, is probably
2: GSP. Yeah, oh yeah, GSP. Yeah, yeah he's and, 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 I, and I give and I give Demetrius. You know, like I said, I think talent-wise, Demetrius is up there as well. I just think that those guys, like, the, and there's a reason why GSP after the after the uh, the, the Matt Serra fight, he rarely, you know, he he never, you know, he 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 went out there and beat everybody, you know, at their own game and and dominated. And yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. He, I mean, we're talking about fight
3: IQ, which is uh, you know a different thing than you know skill for skill. And when I see Demetrius, it's not so much. Uh, fight IQ ability to adjust and see things if he's just that much better than everybody. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what I see there. Um, with, with guys like, like Jones and GSP, I do see more fight IQ there personally. Um, again, so it's just a, a difference, you know, where, um you know, Demetrius is, is just the best fighter in history, in my opinion. Um, but it's not necessarily because of his fight IQ. I don't think, whereas, GSP in particular has really struck me as, you know, a a smart game planner and and not just like, okay, the game plan is we're going to take him down, like how he sets up the takedown, how he gets to the takedown, how he puts his feet in position, uh, you know, different things like that.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, Real quick before we get out of here, Matt, we do have the first UFC pay-per-view of the the year coming up in a matter of days. I want to get a couple quick picks from us because of course we have two title fights At the top of the card, the flyweight title fight between Devis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. And, of course, the new light heavyweight title fight between Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill. Um, Not going to spend a ton of time. We're just going to do some picks real quick. So this is part four of Moreno-Figueredo. The first three fights have all been great. Obviously, there was the one fight that was a a bit lopsided when Moreno beat him pretty handily. And I think a lot of that, of course, uh, Figueredo seemed to have a really terrible weight cut for that one. Not making excuses. It just seemed like that's what happened. Um the other ones, of course, one was a draw and then Figuero eked out a really close decision in the other one. Matt, which way are you leaning in this one? Are we gonna see Figgy Smalls remain champion or is Moreno gonna get the job done and, and finally put an end to this was a quadrology or whatever the hell you call it for four times?
3: You know, I think Davidson should win this fight. I think he has the skills and uh the ability to win the fight. Um, but he, I've said that on all their fights and I think Marino just God, he finds a way to fucking pull it out, man. He's getting, he's the guy that seems to be getting better every single time he goes out there. And he's the guy who's got heart for days and, and just fights like a fucking ferocious honey badger. So uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to go with Marino, even though I think uh Figueredo should be able to do it. But I, I think Marino, man, he's just getting better. And I think he's going to show even more new things this time. Um, and, and, uh, you know, he's, he's got the heart
2: of the line, man. I agree on everything you just said, but I'm still sticking with Figueredo two things. I think playing this factory is fighting at home in Brazil. The crowd's going to be on his side, you know, and, and whether you like it or not, you know, crowd rising and falling from punches and things like that. I still think it does affect judging sometimes when, when a big swing and a miss can still look like a punch and the judge yeah. is like, Ooh, he must've hit him. So there's one thing, but also two, I do take into account that Brandon lost his head coach. You know, I mean, listen. You know, you James Krause was his head coach. Um, seemed like they had a really strong relationship built up, and and he's gone now. And it's just a, it's a weird one because it all happened relatively soon. I know he's been working with uh, Saif from down at Fortis 8 Saif is an incredible head coach. Incredible head coach, but. You know, two months of working with the guy, are you going to have the same rhythm, the same patterns, the same corner work, all the things you had? So I think that's a factor. So I'm going with Figgy Smalls. I think uh, I think figure eight pulls it out. I think it's going to be another close fight. I agree with you. I think it's going to be like one of those, you know, 48, 47 kind of decisions. But uh, I'm going to go with figure to pull it out. Um, other one is the main event, of course, Glover to share the ageless wonder that is Glover to share taking on Jamal Hill. Uh, kind of a shorter notice fight, of course. This fight came together after the December card when uh, Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Blahovich didn't get to uh, didn't get to fi- finalize their fight. So, Matt, which way are you lean Glover or Jamal Hill?
3: Uh, I'm definitely leaning with Glover on this one. I think he's uh, just a more skilled, more experienced fighter, and I think he's going to come in shape and and ready to fight. And I think he's going to do uh, really great. And uh, you know, Jamal Hill is an absolute savage too. so you know can't take nothing away from him and um I'm I just lean I think it's more of an instinctual leaning on this one than than most times I, uh my my gut tells me glover's going to pull this one out
2: I agree I'm going with glover to share as well I think this is I think Jamal Hills is an incredibly talented guy and, and super dangerous he's he's a knockout artist we've seen that but I think this is still just a little bit too much too soon for him. Like, I think he was still one, maybe two fights away from this. You know what I mean? I think ideally, like, he had that fight with Anthony Smith booked. If he would have beat Anthony and then maybe beaten one more, maybe would have beaten, uh, you know, a, a Magamane Manical Iowa, you know, or one of those guys, like, one of those other upper echelon top two, top three guys, then we'd be there. But I, I think this might be just a bit too much too soon for him. I think he's still yeah. a fight or two away from that level and uh, I still have faith in the old dog, man. Glover Teixeira, like I said, you look at that ground game, you look at his, his striking. I just think he's got a little bit of gas left in that tank, and I think Glover's going to pull it out and become champ again.
3: Yeah, and I think that what you just said uh, was what I left out. Like I think Glover just has a lot more ways to win, too. I think that's uh, kind of the, the the icing on the cake here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right. That is our show for this week, Matt. We'll be back next week. Uh, of course, you'll be back next week. Uh, we, the show is not the same without you, so don't go away again, please. Uh, and uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in to the show. Matt, uh, where can people check out? People supporting you, of course. I know you were just in L.A. Uh, with one of your sponsors working, so where can people check out uh, what you got going on?
3: Yeah, at uh, I am The Immortal on Facebook, and Twitter, Instagram, um, at The Immortal Coffee, <clears throat> at uh, TheImmortalCoffee.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course I got my dynamic stri- striking instructionals and check out working on building my own, uh, instruct online instructional right now, actually, um, a full system, full curriculum from, uh, striking and, uh, um, clinching, wrestling, jujitsu, fitness, a little bit, everything. Um, and my sponsor that brought me out to LA, you got to thank them. Uh, routine, uh, R uh, O O T I N E. Um, that's a multivitamin made specifically for your own body, which is they take your blood and they take your saliva and they see what you're deficient in, see what you're high in, see how your DNA um, um, uh, accepts different minerals and vitamins, and they make a multivitamin, multimineral specifically for your own body
2: love it love it uh matt we'll be back next week with another edition of fighter vs. right make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms apple podcasts spotify and of course you can always find us over on mmafighting.com for matt brown i'm damon martin thanks so much for tuning in we'll see you next week
1: Media Podcast Network.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds booths, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code MMA That's code MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks